Hello, listeners. This is executive producer Lawrence Coletti. What you're about to hear was recorded from the San Diego County Bar Association and features Legal Talk Network CEO Adam Cameras presenting and answering questions about the value of podcasting to the legal profession. If you're interested in starting your own show or learning more about the industry, you should definitely tune in. We now cut to our program, Already in Progress. We have a guest speaker who I'm very excited to introduce you to. Um, Adam Cameras is not only a, a dear friend of mine, but just a really smart, brilliant entrepreneur. A few years ago, he purchased the Legal Talk Network, which he's going to tell us a little bit about today. He's the chief executive officer of Logical, which is the parent company for ServeNow, Serve Manager, CourtFiling.net, and the aforementioned Legal Talk Network that you're going to hear about today. He has been seriously involved, and I, I say that seriously. He's an advocate for legal technology and the profession and everything that circles around um, this great profession that we all get to be involved in, even those of us who are not lawyers. Since 2004, he enjoys learning about the latest technology and trends affecting the profession and the industry. He travels the country for speaking engagements, to attend conferences, and to meet with members of the legal community. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Cameras, and that's A-D-A-M-C-A-M-R-A-S. I really, really want to thank Adam and Lawrence, our executive producer, who have actually come into the San Diego County Bar. They give a lot to the bar in kind, and I very, very much appreciate their always being so willing to come and um, record from here and give live presentations and talk to us about these great topics. So having said all that, I'm going to get let Adam take over and uh, tell us everything we need to know about podcasts. Thank you very much, Adriana, for that nice introduction. And always great to be here in sunny, beautiful San Diego, California. Uh, I was just talking about I, I came down from Los Angeles. Love that drive coming down. It's to me one of my favorite spots. San Onofre and Trestles and uh, you know, just, just along the water there, the views are, are amazing. So today we're going to be talking about podcasts. So I had this weird experience last year where my mom came to me uh, and said, you know, oh, sweetie, I have these podcast recommendations for you. And she knows what I do. She knows the business that we're in. But I was still a little flipped out because, you know, I was used to the newspaper articles or the magazines and dog-eared or paper-clipped and usually in a manila folder, you know, ready there, you know, waiting upon our next visit so she could share all of these archived articles that she's saved for me. And it was just weird because she came to me with all these show recommendations, which granted she's hip and she's cool and I think that, that she's on top of it. But uh, it was still odd for me to see uh, an experience. And, though, you know, for those of you that aren't listening to podcasts, best way to envision, and you've got this exa example right here on the screen, it's, it's on-demand radio. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, when you want it, what you want, uh, and it's all sitting there right there in that supercomputer that you have sitting uh, in your purse or in your pocket or, uh, you know, for some of you here, you know, right here on the table in front of you. Hopefully you're not... Uh, updating your Facebook status or playing Candy Crush or doing any of those things right now. But uh, feel free to if this gets too boring for you. And, um, you know, we call this the 15-year overnight success, uh, which is it's a medium that's been around for a long time, but it's been slow to evolve uh, and, and embrace. 
And there still are some challenges. It's not as simple as just jumping in your car, you know, on your way here today or, or however you got here or asking your Uber driver to, you know, turn up that NPR station or that music that they're listening to. You know, you still have to do a little bit of work to get the shows that you want, but the access is, is incredible. Why listen to podcasts? So most of you live in the billable hour world. Uh, and because you live in the billable hour world, and I know that this is not always the case, you should be respecting your time. And you should be guarding your time like it is your most precious commodity because it truly is. And there are only, as much as we all tend to think that this is not the case, and maybe it doesn't apply to them, there are only so many hours in the day. Uh, and so therefore, you know, this medium is phenomenal for that. Um, the content's amazing. You know, unlike video or reading, you know, it's a little awkward to be you know, watching a video while you're jogging down the street. Or, you know, I know some of you do it, you know, while you're driving down the five or the, uh, you know, or the 15 as you're coming into uh, to the office. Um, but, you know, unlike reading or video, you can do it while you're doing other things. So a lot of the consumption happens. And this is on-demand audio. And by the way, I know we're talking about podcasts specifically, but audio books, you know, also fall into that realm as well. And it's just something you can do while you're doing something else. So while you're exercising, walking the dog commuting, traveling, waiting for that late client, uh, you know, waiting for that late friend or spouse, uh, you know, while you're doing dishes, while you're gardening things around the house, and this may be a little too much TMI, uh, but I actually, I have a Bluetooth waterproof speaker in my shower, so I can go from my getting ready in the morning or my chores around the house, you know, right in the shower, and I can still listen to that episode all the way through. I don't always do it, because you can be on overload as well. But, you know, the technology exists, so you can continue to get informed while you're doing these other things. And because of this supercomputer that I'm carrying around that all of you probably have, I always have access to entertainment and, and education. This is always with me. So when I want it, I have it, and I can turn it on whenever I want it. And personally, obviously, I'm immensely biased because of the business that we're in, but I feel my life has changed for the better, and I, and I learn a ton. So... There are 660,000 podcasts, uh, and that number is growing. Uh, so even if you wanted to listen to every single one of them, it would be uh, physically impossible. But with that size of shows that are out there, pretty confident that if we went around the room, you could tell me something about your hobby uh, and a passion or something you like outside of lawyering or, or practicing, uh, you know, practicing law or, or running a business or running a firm. I assure you that we could find something that is relevant and related to a topic or hobby or some other interest. There are some of the most abstract topics that have been brought into podcasts that are out there. And if not, it actually could play into the later segment where we talk about creating your own show. It's also, from a medium perspective, because it is so engaging, it's creating what are called driveway moments. And for those of you that listen to podcasts, some of you have short commutes, some of you have long commutes, but these driveway moments are the show and the content is so engaging uh, and so good that you're literally standing outside your front door or in your driveway because you want to hear, you know, what comes next, you know, and the pauses and, and, and the next thing that's going to come out in that story. And, and so... You know, that's the power of this medium. And, and some of that power and the pure components uh, of that is because a lot of consumption happens via headphone and earbud. And if you think about when you have earbuds in your ears and the sound that's coming through there, you cannot physically get closer to someone's brain 
than when you are inside their head. Uh, and so, uh, you know, just like with a book, when it's audio, the story that you're creating in your mind is going to be the most powerful one, as opposed to a TV show or movie where, don't get me wrong, there are some incredible storytellers out there and they tell a great story, but no story is going to be as powerful as the one that you're building and creating and the visual in your head. And so that, that's one of the reasons, you know, why this medium is so engaging. Uh, so let's look at some of the data. And this is pretty, uh, you know, pretty interesting to see, but 51% of the U.S. population has listened to a podcast in the past. 32% of the U.S. have listened to a podcast in the last month. That's about 90 million people. Uh, and the makeup of the podcast listener uh, is loyal, uh, affluent, and, and, and educated. I mean, that's basically you know, the makeup of, of your average listener. Uh, and if you look at some of the growth that's happening, and I, I mentioned the 15-year overnight success uh, as a joke, but you know, if you go back and look at that slide right there, uh, you know, it is a nice, slow, and steady growth, and there have been you know, some peaks and, and valleys, but overall, it's a medium that has you know, continued to grow from an audience perspective. And if you just look at some of the data just from year over year, there is this mass uh, acceleration. I mean, there's so many reasons why this is happening. You know, a lot of it is you've seen, you know, major media stars, comedians, you know, presidents, uh, you know, go on to podcasting, you know, and, and validate the medium. There was a breakout show called Serial that had, uh, I want to say, 100 million plus listeners. Don't quote me on that, but, you know, tons of them. And that was one of these huge breakout shows, which really introduced a lot of people to the medium. But they're getting it. And, and also the how you consume it is getting a lot easier. Just a few weeks ago, Spotify, which is someone that you've probably heard of, acquired a podcasting network called Gimlet. Uh, and they paid a, I think, I want to say $230 million is the rough estimate to acquire a company that's only been around for a few years, you know, just creating content that, you know, their audience wants to listen. It's all delivered via, via podcast. And Spotify says, this is the type of content that we want to be engaging with in our audience. We want to be, to be able to deliver this to them. So um, you're getting these platforms that are now investing in it. For a long time, Google did not invest uh, in the platform. Apple was the leader with Apple, with iTunes, and now it's called Apple Podcasts. And recently, Apple has said, okay, this is important. We're going to build a Google Podcast app, and we're going to make these available in the Google Play Store. There's a long time where if you lived in an Android world, this was harder. But that's changing. They're validating. If some of you look in your car, and if you have a smart system in your car or a screen in your car, depending on the operation there, you may have Apple Play or, or CarPlay, and one of the apps in there is Apple Podcasts. You cannot remove that. You can't remove it from your iPhone. It is there. Even if you want to get rid of it, you can't. So there's more validation of the medium as, as something that's important. So you're a lawyer. Why do I care as a lawyer? Well, uh, again, we have immense bias here, but at Legal Talk Network, we produce uh, 28 podcasts on a monthly basis dedicated to helping you be a better lawyer, you know, being better at your trade and at, at, at your craft, inform you, to entertain you. We have some that are practice area specific. You know, we have a number of shows that are you know, dedicated to you know, solo and small firm, technology, news, uh, we have a show with Above the Law, which you know, some of you read uh, as a law student. Some of you are, are, are certainly still reading now. They're sort of the, you know, the TMZ of legal in terms of some of the reporting that they do. 
but you know, certainly entertaining. And in that scenario, we've brought to life the editors, Ellie Mistal, who you may have seen him in mainstream media lately, and Joe Patrice, you know, editors on there who've been writing for years, we brought their personalities to life via podcast. And, you know, people ask me, what's your, you know, what's your favorite show? It's kind of like the same question of, you know, I just got the nudge from Adriana because obviously she's a host of New Solo. So let, let me refrain how I was going to answer this. Uh, the, the, the question is, what's your favorite show? It's kind of like, you know, asking a, which is your favorite child? Some parents out there might be able to answer that question. I only have one child, so it's a lot easier for me. There's topics on everything, and, and I try to listen to all of the shows on there, and the content is amazing. But to give you just a, a framework of some of the shows we've launched, we launched you know, shows with the American Bar Association, as I mentioned, Above the Law, State Bars. Uh, we launched a show with Northwestern Pritzker School of Law to help them better engage with their, their students and the greater legal, uh, their students, faculty, alumni, and the greater legal community. And some of our recent launches, we launched a show with Clio, which is a you know, pretty popular practice management software solution. And, and this is not an infomercial for Clio. They are doing this correctly, where they're thinking about how do I engage with the greater legal community? And so the topics that they've covered are about data and, and analysis and intake and told in a really great format. Other shows that we've recently launched uh, are with the State Bar of Texas. And I think one of my favorite shows is called Make No Law. Uh, and you can see it down there in the bottom right. Uh, and this is a show, it's a, it's a Los Angeles criminal lawyer by the name of Ken White, who also has a massive following on Twitter in a blog called Popat, P-O-P-E-H-A-T. And he is you know, a, a huge First Amendment buff. And we are reenacting material First Amendment Supreme Court cases and sometimes having the participants as part of those. We are storytelling, there's narration. As Lawrence Coletti, our executive producer, likes to call, we have a community theater where we're reaching out to our existing hosts and others in the legal industry to be part of it. All of the music is originally scored in our studio, and we are telling the story of these cases in a really easy, digestible format. The most recent episode, and, and, and one of my favorites, is called uh, The F-Bomb. And it's, uh, I, won't, I won't use the profanity in here, although it definitely gets into that debate. Uh, it's not, we're not talking about the facsimile machine. Yes, that, that, is a fair, uh, that, that is a fair use. And so you can go on there and, and on your compute, uh, you know, just subscribe to the show, listen to it, and you'll have some great storytelling, thought-provoking uh, and interesting. Talk about Adriana, who's hosting today. She hosts a show called New Solo, which is a phenomenal show, not just for solo uh, and small lawyers, but anyone that's thinking about their practice in a different way. And she thinks that nobody's listening to it, but thousands of people every single month are tuning in, and she gets fan mail every single week talking about it. And she thinks it's just me that's listening. Uh, so, and, and so, you know, the validator uh, are these emails and calls that she gets from fans. But we're actually working on a series on her show where we are profiling a currently practicing in-house lawyer who is in his comfy, cushy job. And we're gonna profile every decision that he makes as he thinks about leaving that job and starting a solo firm. And we've, there's never, ever been anything like this that we've seen before where we can tell the story of what he's thinking about. And I'm trying to resist from becoming a cheesy Los Angeles reality TV producer where <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe, and not really, but I'm hoping maybe they get divorced or their tears or, okay, great story, but you know, can you throw the glass of wine at him you know, when you do this? Just How because. Will we insure our children. 
Right, exactly, and 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 food, and and uh, so we haven't quite had the drama yet. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm giving it away. It might happen. I unlikely to happen, but we are giving those the framework that that are thinking about going solo or revisiting their small firm. You know about some of the tools that will be really really helpful to them. So I'm lucky enough to host this podcast that these guys produce, but I just wanted to say if you're thinking about a podcast for yourself as a way to market your law practice, you will be amazed at the feedback that people will give you when you provide good content. They actually take the time to email me or find me on LinkedIn literally every week. And it's probably the only reason I keep doing the podcast is because I get so much positive feedback. I don't get paid. I don't really get that much business from it, but it has been so rewarding to share. And it's not me, it's the guests that come on and share this valuable feedback about how they're making their law firms more efficient. So it really can be a great way to get your, your firm, your practice, your specialty, whatever it is you're doing out there. I'm sure you're going to share with us how to produce that in a way where people will actually be able to find it and hear it, which is the hard part. But anyway, I just wanted to encourage you, if it's something you've been thinking about doing, I think it's something you can do fairly easily. Adam will tell us, but it really is very rewarding. I'm actually going to talk most of you out of trying to do this on your own, uh, <laughs> but I will get to that. So believe it or not, you know, with 28 shows in the network that, that we have to listen to, and I'm one of those you know, odd ones. I live in Los Angeles, but I have a very, very short commute, and I was just joking that I either need to move my home or my office for a longer commute because there's more podcasts that I want to listen to. So there are some shows that are, that, that are outside of legal that I really enjoy as well. And if you're not listening to podcasts, one of these, and, and, and you haven't listened to Serial already, which is you know, the great starter that grabs a lot of people in. But you know, to me, these are the ones that, that I love to listen to. And one of the, the show that I refer the most uh, is called Startup, up there on the left. And you, if you're going to listen to this, this, this is actually about that company that just got acquired for $230 million. I guess I'm giving away the, uh, uh, the end of it, although you've got many, you know, many, many series uh, on that show. But you've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And the first episode is called How Not to Pitch a Billionaire. Uh, and it's about the founder, Alex Blumberg, pitching Chris Saka, who you may have seen him. He's a pretty well-known investor and was on Shark Tank, pitching this podcast network to him on the streets in, in Los Angeles. And he's just, he's just getting decimated in the pitch. But even before you even get to that, you've got his wife laughing at him about you know, what he's wearing to this pitch meeting to go pitch this you know, really well-known and renowned investor. And like I said, it's these, the, the, the pauses and the audio and the intimacy of it is so compelling and, and captivating. There's other great shows on here that I really like. Um, you know, how I build this is about you know, entrepreneurship and they just profile founders. And I think it's relevant to anyone that's practicing because at the end of the day, you're all running a business, you know, whether you like to think of it or, or, or not. Ted Radar is really interesting. Masters of Scale, that's Reed Hoffman. Uh, he was the founder of LinkedIn and, you know, he's interviewing founders and just telling the stories about, you know, growing uh, and scaling your business. Reply All, uh, probably one of the bigger, bigger shows that are out there. Yeah, interesting. Not every episode is is for me. I think where you know one of them is where uh, they were dosing on LSD or light dosing on LSD or acid at work just to test the outcome of it. Uh, 
but the one, uh, and, and I can't remember micro. I can't remember exactly what it's you know, what, what the terminology is called. But uh, one of the episodes I find really entertaining is one of the show hosts was called uh, by a telemarketing company saying that they had a uh, a virus on their computer, and as opposed to taking that robocall and just ignoring it or blocking it in your phone, he went the distance to talk to them, get to know them, uh, let them into his computer to actually watch them put a virus on his computer and then watch them try and sell him on the virus removal program <laughs> once they'd installed, uh, which ultimately I'm obviously giving away a bunch of this, but it's a two-parter, it's called long distance, and he, they ultimately end up going in on a plane and going to India to track down this call center and the people from the call center. And it's just captivating to me the distance and, and the time that they have to do this, but you know the distance and, and what they've done to go follow the story, you know, far more than just reporting and, and the depth that they go to, to follow it. So launching your own show. Uh, and, and as I just mentioned, uh, you know, you want to launch your own show. I am going, don't be tempted because this is a buzzword and it's a growing medium and you're seeing some of your competitors doing it. I will talk more people out of launching a show than I do to actually launch one, even if they are going to pay us to help them, even if they have the budget, even if they have the money, I will deter many people from doing it because a, having a bad podcast is worse than not having one at all. And you will look bad to your clients if you're inconsistent, if the sound is bad, if you're giving them poor advice. Uh, if it's not frequent, they may think that you're out of business. If, oh, the last one was from five years ago. Are they still around? Do they care? And ultimately, they may choose another firm as opposed to you because of your terrible execution of this. So think about that you know, before you embark on this. And when you talk to us and we help a lot of people in the industry, whether they're gonna launch a show with us or not, we give them a lot of guidance, a lot of free coaching uh, and, and consulting. Um, but really you wanna be very, very strategic and, and, and think about this. And I'll get into some of those best practices, but th this, is, this is why. The exposure is incredible, although it takes a very long time, which I'll get into. Um, it gives you an opportunity to highlight your expertise, your, your thought leadership, and what's fascinating about a podcast is the shelf life. I, I've yet to see any, you could argue maybe a blog post kind of lives in that same world, uh, but we have episodes from 10 years ago, way before we acquired the network, that something, so for a perfect example, LinkedIn gets acquired by Microsoft, and all of a sudden from you know, 10 years ago, we have episodes of, you know, why lawyers should be on LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, these episodes are trending again from 10 years ago because people are going out and searching LinkedIn uh, and seeing and finding these episodes. So the shelf life is amazing, which is a pro, uh, and it can be a con depending on the content that's on there. On a pro, engaging with your clients, it's an incredible way, and here's the hypothetical, you may have a big relationship or uh, let's just say, let's just say a large relationship that's supposed to go to them and saying, you know, I'd love to be your legal, I'd love to be your lawyer. Here's what the firm has to offer. The ask is, hey, I'd love to bring you on to our firm's podcast so that you can talk about your organization or the work that you're doing. And we can share that with our audience. And, you know, maybe we can deep dive in some of these questions in a really friendly, safe environment. That's going to be a lot more receptive uh, to that person as opposed to, you know, hire my firm because, or we're better, or we're cheaper, or we're more, or, or you know, whatever it is that you're doing. It's gonna be a much softer ask and a great way to cultivate a relationship. Again, 
I wouldn't do this just to cultivate relationships. You've got to be super invested uh, in this. But the audience, this is why they're tuning in. They're tuning in because they like the host. They think you're engaging. They like the guests that you have. Uh, they're coming there because they want to learn something new. They want to be entertained. And if you have a phenomenal story to tell, you know, we were talking earlier with an attendee here about her practice and the work that she's doing in military defense. And just that conversation was captivating to me. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one that would want to hear about that. And that would be a really good story and really good content to be sharing. All right, so let's talk about some best practices. And I'll preface it by saying, with some of the shows that we launched in the network, we were spending more than six months plus preparing for them. Sometimes they have publicists, sometimes they have content people, sometimes they have teams. In addition to all of the work that we are doing with our team to prep and launch the show, this is not the medium where, you know, just like everyone thinks that they're a professional photographer because they've got, you know, one of the later versions of an iPhone or a Samsung. Same thing with this. Just because, you know, you have a microphone and the ability to record audio with you all the time, that is not going to fly uh, in this world. And you got to be really, really strategic, uh, you know, and, and, and really think about it. So let's get into some of the best practices here. And again, I cannot emphasize the show strategy portion of this enough. Thinking about, you know, why are you doing this? You know, if it's just to have a microphone in front of you and feel important, don't do it. If you, you're just trying to get clients, don't do it. You, you have to have a big purpose. This is a medium that is expected to have authenticity. And, you know, in the earlier days, you could, you know, wing it a little bit more, but there's uh, this notion, this new term I just heard called earfluence. And back to those hours in the day or that commute, there's 660,000 other podcasts that are vying for their attention. How are you gonna stand out from them? You've got to give them something good and you've gotta be strategic and really think about your expertise. And your expertise may just be in getting people to talk about their expertise, which is totally reasonable uh, if you got the right people there. Um, but so it's the, it's the audience, um, it's the strategy, it's thinking about how do you do this in a really good and compelling way. It's also having scripts and intros and a format that you're following. Um, it's about good equipment. And I'll read a couple of those off here, uh, but after, you're gonna have my contact information uh, at the end of this and you can feel free to send an email. Uh, we can set up a phone call uh, or, or send you a list of the equipment that we recommend or use. But, uh, we use predominantly the Shure microphones, uh, and the packages, I want to say probably all in around $1,000, maybe a little less than that. And, uh, you know, it's usually a couple of microphones, Shure SM58s. Uh, we have a higher-end one that we sometimes use as well, Focusrite Scarlet 1.8 i8, which is, you know, around $400. We use Audacity for your uh, recording and editing platform. Uh, we recommend people have a Mac Sometimes there are, we know that that's not the case in most, although I look around here, I see a lot of Macs in the room. We know that the PCs are you know, prevalent in a lot of law firms, uh, but you know, they just tend to work a little bit better uh, from, the, from our findings. Certainly good cables. Uh, you want to use, you know, be familiar with a Skype or a Zoom platform and, and the software to bring in remote guests in case you can't see those people in person. When you record, you want to do this in a, in a really um, quiet environment and that has good soundproofing and, and, you know, and, and you can test for that. You also want to have a, what's called a um, windscreen and that'll really help with the plosives and the other sounds 
that you're recording. And, and again, you know, just making sure you're being mindful of those acoustics in that room. You want to launch, when you launch a show, you want to go live with at least three episodes when you launch. Uh, and there's some strategy behind that in terms of getting noticed in iTunes, which is the main uh, Apple podcast, which is the main discovery engine. And you want to have at least, and the industry term is in the can, episodes in the can. I don't like the term. I like uh, in the archive or, you know, backup. You want to have at least a number of these episodes there so that you can be consistent when you launch at the very least on a monthly basis. You want to make sure it sounds good. And we've seen large organizations with unlimited budgets uh, and multi-million dollar studios fail because they aren't being strategic, they aren't thinking about this, they aren't being consistent. Uh, so it certainly is very easy to fail and even big organizations are failing at this. Um, you want to practice with a friend uh, and, and do a run and, and just in a fun, safe environment so that you know, you've got a little bit of, of experience before you actually do your first live one. And then we like to call this guest bait. We're right off the San Diego Bay here. Some of you may fish. Some of you may just eat fish. Although, how do you catch a big fish? With big bait. And so big guests beget bigger guests. And it would be much easier to grow your show and to grow your audience if you have a big guest on there. And it's so much easier to take the time at the onset to get some big guests because once you have that validation of those big guests that were on there, it will be much easier to go on and get others. And like I said, there are no limits. If you're thinking about launching a show, you, know, you want to think about who are the most meaningful and most engaging people. Uh, and ideally, if they have an audience and you know they will share once that episode is live, this will make it so much easier to launch that show and to frame that. Typical show launches, you know, you're going to see 20, 30 downloads. When we launch a show at Legal Talk Network, we go live with thousands of downloads. And one is uh, and Adriana didn't mention this, we have over 250,000 unique downloads on a monthly basis. On our network, that's in a world, and it's growing every single month, that's in a world of 1.3 million lawyers. And, and our bullseye is 50% of the U.S. legal market tuning in on a monthly basis. That's every single thing that we think about. The Legal Talk Network is getting to that scale and reach. Um, it's very, very hard to build an audience in this medium. So this is a long game. It takes a long time. You, chances are, will have you know, a very small audience when you launch, unless you launch that show with us, because like I said, we will bring that audience to you. But that guest will help. If you have a social media following, that will help already. And there are a bunch of tools. Chances are you may, there's a chance you may not be using Twitter or Facebook regularly for your practice, but you're probably using LinkedIn. Uh, and if you're thinking about launching a show, start cultivating those relationships early on and start trying to build that following so that you have a syndication platform when, those, when the episodes are ready and the show's ready to launch and you have people that are willing to help you share it. But those guests, if you got the right guests, they'll definitely help you do it. And, and as far as, I don't have slides on this, there's an entire strategy regarding the marketing machine and, and engine behind this. I could talk for hours on it. But it's just thinking about every single medium you can for once that episode's live, whether it's writing about it, sharing it, sending it, emailing it, uh, you know, finding you know, the, the, the relevant people that were a part of it and asking them to share it. And this is ongoing. You know, this never ends. This is not like, uh, you know, not like a trial where once you're done, you can rest and relax. You know, this show goes on and you're always looking for better ways to engage and to get, get more listeners. All right, so on to the next which is getting booked as, as a guest. And maybe I've talked you out of launching your own show. 
or maybe you know you're here to learn about podcasts and and how to get more exposure for your firm uh, and your expertise and, and your practice area. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way, uh, but in my opinion, the most successful lawyers, uh, you know, are uh, and the ones that are making the most money, are not always the best lawyers, right? They aren't always the most experienced. They aren't the ones that have done the most wills or, or, or trust or handled the most divorces. They aren't necessarily the ones that have had the most trials. You know, there's this notion of the 10,000 hours to becoming an expert. They may not have had that. However, they are the good marketers. They are the ones that are getting out there and getting good media and getting themselves uh, included in the narrative and included in the conversation. Maybe they're buying some of that. Maybe that's the billboard that you're seeing you know, along the highway. But they are putting the time somehow. And I, you know, I call this notion, you know, the book is the new business card because now everybody can self-publish a book. And I'm sure when you go to presentations, you hear that, oh, here's their illustrious bio and the author of. Anybody can go home today and publish a book. So it's not that big of a deal. But these are all validating factors and thought leadership exercises and validating your expertise. And that gets you more speaking opportunities, that gets you more media exposure, uh, you know, that gets and brands you as the expert. So this is why you want to be participating in these kinds of things, because this is just one more checkbox of, oh, and, you know, as, as we look at Legal Talk Network and the guests, we've had incredible guests on the network. And all of those guests have, for the most part, been pre-screened and vetted as somebody that's an expertise because if we or one of our hosts are asking them to speak on a subject, there is some reason why they think that they are an expert to talk on this. Every once in a while, we get in a jam and we get desperate and we've got a deadline, but you know, we, you know, where we take the, you know, the best person that we get, but most of the time it's very strategic about finding somebody that is the right fit for that episode. And also, if you think about within your firms and your practice, you know, think about who are getting the most referrals. You know, those are probably also the people that are getting their brands out there. Yes, they're probably coming down to the bar uh, and networking, and they probably have a very, very specific, explainable practice area. They're not the, you know, what they call the door lawyers, that everything that comes in my door I take. You know, they have a very, very specific area because it's so much easier to refer work to that person that has a specific practice. And these are the ones that are, that are getting out there, and you're seeing more of them. Uh, and to reiterate, they are not necessarily the best lawyers. Uh, and I'm sure from the nods I'm seeing here in, in the audience, uh, sometimes that's an overstatement. Um, so we get a lot of pitches every single day uh, about wanting to be a guest uh, on the network. And here's an example of what a really bad one looks like. And we've redacted some of the information on there. We redacted the cover of, of the book. But this was the email that we got. It was sent to me and, and one of our hosts. It just says, podcast my new book, question mark. Um, and then there was a little picture. Uh, so the sorry, uh, sorry, sent on the run. So apologize for typos and brevity, which by the way, I love that because it gets you out of sending a proofread email. I mean, you should put that in all of your email communication, even on your computer. But, uh, and, and then there's a picture of the book. And we've had lots of really, really bad pitches. This is one that recently caught our attention of, you know, clearly somebody that doesn't want to invest the time to really think through this. The bad ones that we get, uh, and this is not just podcasts, you know, this is also just traditional media, you know, the local, uh, you know, San Diego Union Tribune uh, and, and legal media and, you know, and the news channels, they also want the same things that we're going to go over now. And if you can take, well, 
I guess I'll give the, uh, you know, the challenge uh, after, but the ones that we get are, they're usually long, they're irrelevant, they're a sales pitch or an infomercial, which, you know, nobody's going to pick that up. They're impersonal. Sometimes we just get blank press releases that are also really long, which, you know, again, we have to figure out what the ask is and what it is that they really want to talk about there. Um, and then we even get stuff that's totally untargeted, that's not even legal related, which I mean, we have a podcast network that is just for legal professionals. Uh, and if you're sending us something outside of that vein, you're just wasting your time. There's no point. On the flip side, and I will read this to you uh, just so that in, in case you can't see it in the back. Uh, but you know, my name is, and again, this is redacted, I am co-author of the New York Times bestseller, blah, 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 uh, as well as co-founder of uh, so and training uh, program that has worked with law firms throughout the country. Here are some of the law firms we've worked with to help attorneys develop the skill of resilience. I also happen to live, you know, they took the time to look up and see where we are. So um, I didn't explain this. We're headquartered in Denver, Colorado, uh, Los office in Los Angeles, where I'm located, a number of folks scattered throughout the country. Took the time to look and see, oh, I'm actually not far from your Denver office. I'm reaching out, here's the reason why, to be a guest, a big fan, Flattery is great. Could have a fascinating conversation about, you know, you can see the line uh, on there. I have extensive experience with interview. They can show that they've done this before. They gave us some examples of podcasts that they've been on. And then here is a, a really attractive thing is I also have a community of around 5,000 followers on LinkedIn and can share our episode uh, after as well as in, you know, my organization's social media channels. So here's somebody that is thinking through you know, what we're looking for, very, very specific. This is the kind of pitch that gets the attention. And I presume you guys will all have access to these slides as well so that, so that you can get them. But we're looking for short, concise, obviously got to be relevant, you know, cites their recent media exposure if they have it. Even if they don't have it, even if the media is new to you, you've probably written something or done some, some, something of relevance that you can share that can validate your expertise on this topic that you want to talk about identify the specific topics that you want to talk about and leave your contact information, you know, make it very easy to follow up with you, your willingness to share uh, and, you know, on your blog, on your website and social media. And if you don't have any of that in LinkedIn, chances are you have that. And if you don't have it, you can build that pretty easily, you know, just with the fellow members of the SDCBA. And the one miss on here is they miss mentioning specifically which show that they wanted to be a part of, which makes it a little bit hard on us. I mean, we can read through the lines and we know what would be a fit for them, but that's the only real miss on there is, uh, you know, this is the show. And as I get into these tips to get booked, and again, this applies to any traditional media. So here locally, if you want to start getting more coverage for the work that you're doing, don't wait until you have that newsworthy moment or that press release or that new launch or that big trial. Start cultivating those relationships early uh, and do it in a, you know, in a very nice and professional way. A great way is to start following them on social media, um, you know, comment and share their work so that they've at least seen your name uh, in advance and connect with them on, on LinkedIn. You know, again, way before you need them, but <laughs> You know, do this in a way that is also when you're making that connection. And for me personally, in general, if you just send me a blank LinkedIn connection, I am one of those that I take the time for just about everyone in my LinkedIn connections, I send a message. So there's twofold. One, I want to acknowledge 
the person that I'm connecting with, but two, as I get up there in age, that message helps me remember how and where I met that person, you know, as your LinkedIn connection grows. But don't just send them the blank, you know, standard LinkedIn without a note in there. Send them something that says, you know, I just saw you on the show, or I just listened to your podcast, or I enjoyed the article that you wrote in this publication. I'm a you know, lawyer practicing this area, uh, you know, in, in San Diego, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, and just set the precedent, cultivate the relationship, be on their radar um, and follow them. And, and, and when you're doing this, you know, when, when you're pitching them, uh, so for us, as I mentioned, you've got to know the show and know the host because, you know, we have a show, let's just take Adriana's show, New Solo. And you are talking to us about, you know, the role of, uh, you know, the challenges of the GC. Don't get me wrong. That's probably going to be interesting content. And we do have a place for that. But most likely, not the best spot, not the best show to be on. If you're pitching New Solo, clearly you haven't listened to New Solo. Clearly you don't know the stuff that Adriana is talking about on the show and all the great guests that she's bringing on to talk about. The why is really, uh, you know, make sure that your why is relevant when you're pitching them. Um, if you have a case study, if you have a, a, a survey, um, if you can offer exclusivity, journalists love that. If you can tell them that uh, you're going to get first crack at this or, um, uh, you know, you're going to get the exclusive or you're going to get first crack, I won't submit this to anyone else. You know, a lot of journalists are going to enjoy this. Flattery, I, I can tell you time and time again, goes a long way. So, you know, if you can just start off by saying, a compliment about the person that you're reaching out to. And sometimes it's harder because some of these are some broad submissions, but put a flattery in there and make sure that you're giving that to them. Um, be responsive, okay? Now that you've put in all this work, you've cultivated relationships, you've got a strategy, and you finally have that media moment where you want to be included or submit yourself, they contact you and then you ignore them like some people are ignoring their clients you know, or, or delaying or I can get that tomorrow. You know, these opportunities come from those that are available and they want to work with somebody that they can rely on and trust. Uh, and they may have a breaking story. They may have a deadline that is totally irrelevant to what's going on with your world. And if you cannot meet them within that time frame, they're going to move on to somebody else. So when those in inquiries come in, if you have staff, train your staff that if it's a media inquiry and it comes in, alert you right away. You know, if you're in a meeting or have a protocol to uh, attend to that. Um, and then the final thing you know, on this is have a media inquiry page. And this is not my favorite layout, but it really gets the point across. And she's done a tremendous job of getting exposure in media. Uh, and you know, list who she is, uh, a little about her. And I've got another slide here that firstly going down the left side and there's appearance after appearance is a snippet of those appearances that she's been a part of. And it goes on for a, a, number, of, a number of pages. But on, on the side over there, you, know, you can see where she's appeared. So she's validating Fox, CBSN, maybe that's local, you know, on, and all the channels, what she talks about to discuss and analyze issues relating to the intersection of law technology, um, including her current role. Uh, and then if you continue to scroll down, you'll have her contact information uh, as well. And this is a great page that when you are pitching the media or submitting or cultivating those relationships or when you're finally ready to do them, you can send them to those pages so they can hear you or they can see other interviews that you've been part of or they can see what you've written and they can validate your trust. To, you know, they, especially, you know, we know what's going on in, in media and journalism today. 
they don't want to make the wrong decision on a guest. Uh, and if you can make this easier on them, you know, by giving them resources they can go to, uh, this will be very, very helpful. And reminder for the lis- listeners, you can submit questions through the chat. So the question was, what are some of the benefits of the being a host or being a guest? Well, the guest, it's a lot easier <laughs> because it's typically a one-off. I mean, they're both great. And I think the benefits are, well, the benefits are ongoing. Um, but as, as the host, I mean, you're going to be working a lot more. And I guess it all depends on what you're trying to achieve as well as is, is the question. So on the host side, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, this is a long game. You do not want to launch a show. This is not the kind of thing where you just try and dip your toes in the water and, and do a couple of these. You know, this is something that if you're going to commit to it, you have to commit to it for a long time because it takes so long to build an engaged audience. And once you've spent all that time building that engaged audience, to kill that would be a big waste. So I think that the difference is hinges on your motivation. Um, but from a being that ongoing and consistent thought leader, and if you want to build an ongoing following uh, and you want to continue to cultivate those relationships and maybe be strategic about those relationships that you want to cultivate, maybe there's something personally, a uh, personal mission or personal goal that you have, then that is, that's the host. From the guest perspective, I mean, even if you are a host, you should still try and be a guest um, because, you know, one, you have the experience, you usually have the equipment, uh, and, you're, and you're set up to do this. But those are usually, you know, in smaller spurts, it'll help you with, with your show. But that's how you leverage your, your expertise and your thought leadership. Can I be a chimer inner? Yeah. As a host? It's a lot of work to host a show all the time. And what these guys do is produce music to start it. They have sponsors in the middle and they fit the commercials in. And and my job as a host is to every month find guests that I think are worthy and I want on the show. So it's a lot of it's a lot of work preparing for that and being a good host. So I think the answer is really how dedicated are you and how much time do you have? I have this whole team that puts on this great podcast and I have one job which is to find a host and a guest and talk to them for 1 hour and that's a lot of work. So I think it's it's really a lot easier to be a guest or become a guest. I'll tell you one thing that's annoying for me as a host is when somebody pitches me, but they've also pitched 15 other podcasts, and then maybe I book them, and then I go to find out that they've already been on five other legal podcasts. I don't want that either. I don't want someone who's just, you know, making the rounds. If you're going to be a a guest, I think I prefer to have a guest that specifically says, hey, I started a new practice thanks to your podcast. Um, And I tell people who reach out to me all the time, when you're ready to share your pearls, let me know, because you know, Pearls of Wisdom is what the show is all about. So I think there's something to be said, too, about pitching yourself as a guest and picking a specific show that you want to be on as opposed to just uh, what, what I call CCing God. I'm just going to send an email, everybody, CC God, and hope that it sticks to something. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the question is, if a law firm wants to start a new show, should they come to us first and work through that with us, or should they go through some of the pain on their own, think through, maybe produce a couple episodes, uh, and, and then come to us. So I would love the, the latter just to feel the pain because it forces them to think through this. Uh, however, that's time consuming uh, and expensive. And I guess it could be a good test because most will churn out when they realize the work that has to go in this to do this properly. 
Um, our preference would be come to us. You know, we're nice, uh, we're friendly, we're generous with our time, and you have the conversation with us. At the very least, we will give you guidance that you are further along than when you started the conversation. Even this is not an opportunity that is of interest for us or where there's alignment or something that, that, that we want to pursue. That said, before we have that conversation, it's really helpful if you've thought through some of the strategy and the details, not just, I've got a great group of lawyers at the firm and they're really smart and you know, we want to talk about them. So it looks like there's a question that came in um, with regards to, uh, are there benefits to using Patreon or another platform? And, and for those of you that don't know, that's a platform where uh, you can put a snippet of code uh, on your site and reference it, and then people can donate to your show to support it. So um, are there benefits using Patreon, another platform where listeners can support with a small contribution monthly versus having advertising? Um, so we don't use any donation tool uh, and, and there's some shows that we've thought about and, and you know, we work a little differently. I, I think you can try both and experiment for both of them, um, you know, unless it's going to be your, you know, your close friends and your family members you know, making those donations. At the beginning, you're not going to be giving value to a sponsor and you're not going to be giving you know, enough value to an audience until you build an engaged audience to make any sort of money. And if, if you're thinking about this as a revenue stream, uh, there certainly are people that are making significant revenue from podcasting. However, it takes a lot of time. Chances are some of those people already have a big following in another facet or segment of their world. There is money to be made here. I mean, look at the data I gave you on the podcast network that was just acquired. And, and there certainly are podcasters that are making a great living off this. But that should not be your incentive or, or motivator. It should be you know, your drive to educate, your drive to engage, your drive to share. Uh, and, um, and so to answer the question, I would try both and see how they work. But like I said, for a number that like when we launch a show, we don't have any, and if it's a, if it's a legal talk network owned show, we don't have any expectation of generating revenue anytime in the near future. And, and, and again, we acquired the network uh, and maybe this helps frame it. We acquired it when we acquired the network, we gave ourselves enough financial runway so that one, we never wouldn't have to have the financial element influenced the integrity of the content. So we've had brands come to us and say, uh, and offer a significant amount of money to ask our host to endorse our product. And we say, I'm sorry, that's not how the network works. And secondly, we didn't want anything to take us off of our laser focus of engaging with 50% of the US legal market. So we don't have anybody in sales or biz dev. We do generate revenue, we do like money. And eventually we will bring on a you know, sales and biz dev in that we've got a better understanding of the model. But there was no intention of generating revenue when we acquired it near term. We acquired it at the beginning of 2013 and you know, we are generating revenue, but it is way down the, the ladder in terms of the focus of, of what we do. So for the question that came in, don't get me wrong, you may need money uh, and revenue to support this, but go as far as you can without the notion of having to think about the financial element. Yeah, so, so the question is, how do I launch a podcast if, for example, my audience isn't lawyers or legal professionals like our target audience on Legal Talk Network? And, and by the way, that's, that's just about our entire audience we have like Make No Law, the show I told you about in, in the beginning, you know, it's geared towards lawyers, but it's also uh, super interesting to those that are just interested in the Supreme Court and First Amendment and 
anybody can listen to that. Now, we certainly have shows that if you're a non-lawyer, you're not going to want to listen to the show. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can save you the time. And then Lawyer to Lawyer, which is our flagship show, it is one of the longest-running podcasts in the history of, of podcasts, let alone the longest-running legal podcast. And we're covering a lot of the relevant news events that are happening every single day and just providing some legal analysis on that show. So, you know, we do have a little bit more mainstream on some of the shows. Uh, but to answer your question, there are other podcast networks out there. And, you know, maybe they are a fit, but there are podcast hosting platforms. Um, one of them is called Libsyn. Another, uh, that's L-Y-B-S-I-N. Uh, another one's called Blue Blurberry. Yeah. Blueberry without the E. That's assuming that I know how to spell the regular way of blueberry. <laughs> and Spreaker, Anchor is another one. And uh, Anchor actually just got acquired by Spotify. Uh, and, and there are, now I mean, you could go do a search for podcast host platforms and you'll find another of them. So that's where you can upload it. But regardless of the audience that you're going after, you're still going to want to think through the same things in terms of the caliber and the quality of the content. Make sure you've got the right uh, information, you know, the right story that you're telling and the, and the right information, whether they're legal or not. And then you're really going to want to roll up your hat and put on your marketing cap and think, okay, who's my audience? Where are they? Where are these people getting their content? I have a question for you, sort of an idea. So let's say I'm a solo practitioner and I have maybe a list of frequently asked questions that clients ask me all the time. And I'm looking for a way to capture that either in audio to put on my website or maybe a, a simple YouTube page. Because I think a lot of times what we think will be a good podcast might actually be better as a YouTube video that you put on your website and you capture questions and answers. And there are companies, by the way, that will help law firms specifically build video content. But my question is, if I just wanted to, instead of having a full-blown podcast, but I really just wanted to record and be able to publish on my website frequently asked questions, is that something that I would need a whole po podcasting platform for? Or could I just use something like a GoToMeeting or a Camtasia? Or if I'm a Mac user, can I use GarageBand, capture that audio, package it, and then just put it on my website pretty easily? In that scenario, and by the way, when we release a podcast episode, it goes out over as many channels as possible. So certainly within Apple and Google and, and Stitcher and SoundCloud and Spotify, but even we have Alexa skills. And hopefully no one's listening to this on speaker right now and you have your Alexa in the background. <laughs> but if you say, Alexa, play the new solo podcast, Adriana's podcast will start playing in Alexa and pretty much anywhere where podcasts are played, we want to make sure that they are found there, including YouTube. So we put the audio file into a YouTube player because YouTube obviously has you know, a billion, billions of listeners or viewers, viewers users. Uh, and so that's a platform where we want our, our, our episodes to be discovered. Sometimes they get a few plays. Sometimes they get hundreds and sometimes over time there are thousands you know to those individual episodes um, so to answer that question i would probably say and if it's a if it's faq i mean that's a really a really strong engagement opportunity i would probably in that scenario lean towards video 
because if they're asking very specific questions or answering very specific FAQs about that firm or about that practice area, audio obviously, as I've told you, is super powerful, but this seems more like a video use. And if you still don't want to do it, yes, you could you know, do your best with a $100 mic and plug that into GarageBand and record the audio and upload that into YouTube. Although people are going there, chances are they're going to be accept, expecting the video and you should give them the video because that will give your prospective clients a better view of who they'd be working with, in my opinion. I'm going to end the formal portion of this program. Thank everyone so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And again, I cannot thank Adam and Lawrence enough for volunteering their time to come down here. This will become a podcast episode, by the way, on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs> and I will also share the recording with everyone who's online and in the room. Really appreciate everyone coming and hope to see you next week. We've got Renee Stackhouse, who's sitting right here, one of uh, the SDCBA rock stars, talking to us about how to use social media to uh, attract new clients and engage existing clients. So we hope to see you next week, except Adam has one more thing. Yeah, I always like to end with a quote, and uh, I skipped over my contact information, yeah, and this is not my quote. This should be a person who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life, and, and that's what this is all about. This is all about respecting your time uh, and finding ways to, to, to optimize. Here's my contact information if you want, if you have any questions or want to set up a call, or again, we make ourselves very, very available. Very and true. Adam is one of those people that's very giving with his time and his expertise, and um, please reach out to any and all of us, and again, thank you so much for coming. We hope you enjoyed this program recorded in conjunction with and from the San Diego County Bar Association. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or better yet, your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, I'm Lawrence Coletti. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.